Uh, this this book here, see there, Universal Basic Income, For and Against. This is actually written by my friend, Anthony Samarov. And uh, he actually didn't straw man, but steel man points from both sides of the equation. And I think he did a great job of articulating, you know, people's thoughts and the processes of the thought in terms of this concept of a universal, universal basic income. And like I say, he did a real great job on that. And I would definitely recommend that you definitely go out and find yourself a copy of it and, uh, and read that because it's a great copy. And he also, I believe he also had another book that he had written earlier on. I'm not sure if it was in paperback, hardback, or if it was just in PDF form, but I do remember, uh, I, I think I had the PDF form. I still have it, I believe. It was called uh, Procrastination. Um, I'll have to actually mention that to Anthony. But he's written a couple books. He's a really smart guy. Um, obviously, someone that cares about liberty like you and I. And uh, it, I saw a post that he had uh, put on his own personal Facebook page. Yeah, still allowed to do that. <laughs> Some of us were still allowed to do that for now. For now, right? Um, and, uh, I, you know, the, it was... The uh, messaging, it was it was the content that was provided within the the post on his page that I thought, you know, it, it's going to resonate with a lot of people. I know people that I'm, you know, that I'm associated with that I, I talk to on a regular basis. Hell, even people in my own family um, that will probably, that this will probably resonate with. So I, I thought it was really important. I'm going to give him the opportunity to actually... Uh, well, either I'll read it or, I'll, or he'll read it, and then we'll just kind of go from there. But it was like I say, it's a great write-up, great post on his Facebook page, and I, I'm really anxious to. I haven't talked to Anthony in quite a while, but I'm really anxious to uh, to have a chat with him here tonight. As we all know, whether you want to call it shadow banning or canceled or whatever, you know, I mean, I haven't been banned entirely, right? But I'm definitely what do you want to call it? Shadow ban. I mean, I've definitely seen, you know, my my social media presence and pages and, and obviously my YouTube channel being affected by a lot of this, you know, political activism from these big techs and some of the insiders. Right. And, and it's really tough because, you know, we're just out here. We're just trying to use our words. Right. <laughs> you know, remember when you were kids and your parents like, use your words. Well, we're trying to use our words, but the authoritarians, the collectivists among us keep preventing us from being able to use their words. Right. And they don't even want to talk to us. Right. The only thing they want to do is hurt us. Or, or wish us away or cancel us for the most part. And how do you live in, not just a society, but how do you live in a world that functions in that way where it's it's a zero-sum game? that It's, it's got to be us, my way or the highway, and that's it, right? Well, that's a rough situation, right? But I mean, yeah, you can't, you can't stop an idea. Ron Paul, love that. Or was he quoting someone else? But, you know, no army, no government. You can't stop an idea as time has come. Now, I'm not saying the QAnon in one stage, but I mean, that's the thing. People are fighting for freedom and liberty. Some are doing it in a terrible way, and some that I would definitely want not align with. But at the very least, you know, before you try to cancel these people or destroy their livelihoods or go on this new, what they're trying to do now is like doxing everybody that's been down there. And even the hacks in the media in Candace, they're, they're busy at it, right? But rather than doing that, here, here's a novel idea. For the hacks and the establishment, if you want to pretend that you actually care about anything, here's an idea. Try sitting down and having an actual conversation with some of these people that you lament, that you deride, that you loathe so much. Show that you have the kind of resolve and that you are superior in some way. Because I'm telling you, so far, most of the people in the establishment, they're representing just cowardice, conformity, 
blind obedience to a ruling class. Like the, these are people with Stockholm syndrome. Syndrome. These are people with slave-like psychologies. Except the ones that are pre presented that way are the ones that are like they want to create a class of slave-like or, or people with a slave-like psychology. They themselves don't believe any of the rhetoric they espouse. I can guarantee you that. But they definitely want a lot of people to fall hook, line, sinker for that kind of shit, right? But yeah, never be a quitter. Never be a quitter. Unless you're talking smoking. That's the only time I've ever been a quitter in my life when I quit smoking. And that's the one time in my life where I'll say, I'm kind of glad I was a quitter. <laughs> Most other times in life, though, no. What's going on, Anthony, my friend? Anthony, my friend. How you doing, my friend? Feeling in Mexico. Yeah, you're in the Mexico. That's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty sweet, actually. <laughs> so, anyways, what I wanted to discuss with you, Anthony, is that great write-up. Now, I'm not sure if you want me to do it. Uh, I'm more than willing to do so. Just to read it to give the the fine folks who have joined the stream here, just to give them an idea uh, what we're going to be discussing today. But I think that write-up that you did on your Facebook page, it was it was well written and articulated, obviously. But I also think it's going to resonate with a lot of people, especially after the whole thing with the fallout down at the Capitol Hill. And a lot of people today, especially those, I guess, might align on uh, the right side of the political aisle, are, you know, are, are feeling pretty disheartened, I would imagine, today with all the, like, because, you know, they've been told a lot of things, like through the QAnon thing, and, and people have been built up a lot of hype, a lot of hope, right? That there's going to be a savior. Someone's going to come save them. And that's one thing I've noticed with, with conspiracy theories is, and once again, and we're going to definitely get down to this, but the one thing I've always kind of bothered me about conspiracy theories, and I actually appreciate people who, who, who I um, like delving into them in terms of their inquisitiveness and their curiousness in their mind. I like that. But then I always worry about if you just go too far, you know, as with anything, right? You go too far with that stuff. And what I've seen, especially with not just the QAnon, but a lot of the people who are promoting these, uh, you know, the, 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 don't worry, it's all going to work out. I just can't help but think about how many people who have basically put their plans of maybe what, how productive they could be in their own lives or in society and help bring in liberty to fruition while they're sitting waiting for QAnon because <laughs> the fix is already in, right? So that's just, just my initial thoughts. But like I say, I already mentioned before he even came on live. So your name's Anthony Samroff. And of course I did, uh, before you, you get on, I did mention to the fine folks in the stream about uh, your, your book, Universal Basic Income For and Against. And I will acknowledge that you did a great job in steel man on both sides of that argument and, uh, and did a great job in articulating your thoughts. And thank you very much for doing so. Uh, but like I say, in addition, and you're, uh, are you still active in the Liberty Scottish Party? I believe it was called, right? Yeah, I mean, they had their annual general meeting online just a couple of days ago. And it's the first one I missed since I joined because I'm hanging out here in Mexico trying to escape the cold in Scotland as well as the lockdown in Scotland. But um, I'm still involved in the party from time to time. Excellent. I'm still friends with everyone who's involved. This was something I've actually been kind of anxiously waiting uh, to uh, discuss because I think it's going to resonate with quite a few people. But anyways, without further ado, folks, right now, I'm just going to read, like I say, this um, post that Anthony had uh, put on his uh, Facebook page back December 26th on, at 2020. Actually, let me bring that and put it right up on the screen. When I was growing up, I got really into the global conspiracy. I went and saw David Icke speak in a relatively small room in Stoke on Trent with my brother Jonathan circa 2002. There were maybe a couple hundred people in the audience. Later on, I got really into economics and libertarianism, and I thought less of the global conspiracy. 
Suddenly, most of what I saw could be explained by economic incentives. People want free stuff, and the government wants power. So the government bribes people with free stuff so that the people buy into government. All the public servants, school teachers, university professors, etc., are basically bought off with public funds to be tacit allies of government. Then they keep an underclass on welfare that will always support the government out of fear of starvation. The corporations buy the government and the circle is complete. Organizations like WHO, World Health Organization, and CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, work in the interest of the corporations, but people think, think they are government, which they take to mean working in the public interest. That doesn't mean I didn't believe there were individual conspiracies, Jeffrey Epstein, right, or et cetera, got you there, but it just meant that I don't necessarily think they were all centrally orchestrated in smoky rooms. Events of this year have really made me think of the global conspiracy again, however. My question to you is this. What is actually the scarier thought? If there are just a bunch of evil assholes in a room, corrupt and no good, then it's relatively easy to depose them. If it is not a centrally planned conspiracy, then the world is far harder to fix. You have a nice neighbor, but he doesn't believe you should be able to operate a hair salon without a license. Your drinking buddies want to take your guns. Your churchmates don't think gays should be allowed to get married. Another friend says Soviet Russia wasn't real communism, and real communism has never been tried. All the people at your local theater group support you being taxed to pay for allopathic medical treatments that you disagree with, taking money from you to pay big pharma. Atheists want Christians to pay for abortions. Meat eaters want vegans to pay for subsidies to dairy farmers. In other words, control is not exerted upon you from above, but horizontally by the people around you. And I got to tell you, when I read that, uh, it was just a perfect sum summarization or a summation of, of, of the kind of things. That's, that's the kind of macro thinking that I, I tend to do on a regular basis myself is try to get back, stop delving down into these little tunnel, you know, vision type of, type of narratives and, and just step back and think about it. And at the end of the day, I think what was said and contained within this post is something that like, and I, I said this to Anthony and myself is it's, it's a lot of people just don't want to own up to and acknowledge this. They, it, everyone's looking to point at the other. It's always someone. It's always an externality, right? It's always someone that's not, it's outside our scope, outside of our purview or outside of our control so that we can feel, I guess, helpless in some way. I guess, I guess it's an easier way or not necessarily me. Right. Yeah. But anyway, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Anthony. Yeah. Dig in. Uh, yeah. And you, and you don't want to hate your neighbor for controlling you. Right. But uh, you, but you do if you spend too much time on Facebook and you see how much your neighbor wants to control you, how, how totally willing they are to cooperate with your enslavement. Um, you start hating these people. Like you, you think they're, you know, everyone goes on Facebook and they get in a rage because they think you are the person, you know, that is destroying the world. They think, you know, if you're on our side, they think you're a Leo neoliberal. If you're on our side, you think they're a statist. But that's a scary world to live in because for the, I can just reiterate what I said. If it was mm. just a small group of a-holes, then you just get rid of the a-holes. 
This hmm. is much more scary because how do you can people don't change their minds most of the time. You present people with um, evidence, and nine, nine times out of ten, they double down in their position. Hmm. So I, it's not what what scares what really scares me. What really scares me is not a global conspiracy, which may or may not exist. You know, what really scares me is the fact that my neighbor, when exposed to more information, doesn't go, oh, that's interesting. I hadn't seen it that way, or I hadn't thought of that, or I didn't know that. Mm, that changes everything. You know, it's very, very difficult to get people to be open-minded to new ideas. Even when the evidence is overwhelming, in your favor, people, the last thing people want to do is change their opinion. That's what really scares me. Yeah. Well, I think we all know one, one very uh, important, and I would imagine uh, aspect of that, that I think most people would reflect on, because we've all had to deal with it in our life is it is difficult. I I've had to deal with, I'm sure Anthony is, Anthony has had to deal with this as well as it's difficult when you've believed something for so long. For, for an extended period of time in your life it is really, really difficult to have that capacity and willingness to actually bring new thoughts or new ideas in your head and actually challenge your own preconceived notions and premises. It's, it's a tough deal, right? Because the, on the other side of that is not just the unknown, but the, the, the fear that the world that you lived in this whole time wasn't even properly reflective. And, and that can have a, a really negative effect on all of our psychology, right? Do if, for someone to tell you, you know, that world that you believe that you lived in, it's it's been an illusion and it's nothing like that. To tell someone that, I mean, I know, trust me, how I know that's a fact is because that's basically what I had to deal with right. you know, when I was coming to learn about the philosophy of liberty. And it took me, uh, you know, a while and I, I fought it tooth and nail for the, for the, especially early on, right? It's like, no, 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 don't. Because I really did. I felt like the whole world was crashing down around me. So I, I definitely, I understand people and their willingness to reject, you know, those of us who are out here trying to bring some common sense, some reason to the equation, and they run to their perspective corners because it's some a safe space. I kind of understand that. But what what I, I worry about, and I think Anthony worries about it too, is the safe space that's been taken taken for a while where, where uh, you know, everyone kind of ran to the protracted corners. But now that's not even, that's no longer even seem to be a, an opportunity of escape anymore because now it seems that, and that's what big government does is because we, you know, you run to your perspective corner, government still exists, right? So everyone kind of realized that, oh yeah, we could try to leave each other alone, but government still exists. Somebody's still going to constantly try to impose themselves on. So it's, we're forced, every one of us are forced back into it. And that's the thing. It's back into yeah, it's what, what right. You, right. So it's either, so, so to me, if we got to be forced back into the political realm, then shouldn't we take advantage of rather than using force, which is what government is. Let's just use the bully pulpit as a means to communicate because that's the only place that we're ever going to be able to, or the only way we're going to find a way to break through our differences and find a way to live peacefully and harmoniously with each other is to be able to find a way to come together and at least sit across from the table. And until I've ever seen that take place, and I still haven't seen it, and a matter of fact, the divide has gotten further. And now it's not, like I say, not only are people silence each other, now the people are, who, who are being, let's, let's just use the example of some of these right-wingers who, who congregated over on Parler, right? I mean, they're like, I'm tired of the fight. I'm not even saying that everyone should give up and just run to their corners. But let's say that the people who have said, you know what, I just, 
the fight's too much. I just need to go find my own little place. But now as we're seeing there's some of these social media platforms with some of these activists that are on the left, they're even preventing them from having a place to run to. I mean, it's bad enough, folks. That's exactly right? It. I mean, it's bad enough if you're telling people that you're not allowed in my space. That's a rough deal, right? Especially when you're talking about the proverbial public square online. Although I'll admit there's lots of other public squares we can find. But let's just stick with the whole pretense of public square. But even if you kick someone out of the public square, that's bad enough. But the minute the person that you've kicked out of the square and they're like, well, I'll just go over here so I can talk to yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you, and you're like, no, I'm, I'm not even going to allow you to go there. Well, what have you that's done exactly to That's exactly it. That right? is you, exactly you, it. Yeah, yeah, it, right? It's, it's not just that they want to drive society off a cliff in a truck. It's the, that, that's fine. They can go and have their society and drive it off a cliff. It's the fact that they want to take us with them. And it's part of their ideology mm. that this can't just be um, in their society. It has to be everywhere. It's colonialism. It's prog progressives are in an irony. You know, they're colonial about their views. So, mm. you know, my solution to white nationalism is give them white nationalists a little country and then anytime you meet a racist it's like oh why should have their own country they'll go well do you know what you've got your own country why don't you go to white land where no blacks are allowed right yeah that's good thing you know, actually because if you don't like it in america if you don't like it in canada if you don't like it in the uk why don't you just go to the country that was created for you you know that's you know that's what they might say to the jews you know they might go look you've got israel if you don't like it that's what they said to them and that's what the arabs said to them after israel was created they were like well do you know what if you don't like living in lebanon fuck off to israel if you don't like living in iran why don't you go to israel you've got your own country now so you could say the same with the white nationalists you could say well do you, do you know what if you don't like living around people of other races you've got your own country that's completely completely unacceptable to the progressives because no one had to be racist anywhere on the face of the entire earth. I like to say, like, I don't like, you can tell from my tone of voice, you know, I don't approve of racist people, but do you know what? I can't police every thought that everyone in the world has in their head. So mm -hmm. my preferred way of dealing with differences is to say, you have your way of life. I have my way of life. Let me go with my people over here and you go with your people over there. That's not acceptable to them. You know, you're you're not allowed to have views that are not authorized by the cathedral anywhere. Mm. I'll let you comment on that. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, basically, it's it's almost akin now to forced association. That's the problem. That's the that's the issue with the rampant growth of government. I mean, you know, when it's when it's basically the arbiter uh, uh, for disputes, right? Which was what the the American founders and how they they drew up the Constitution. Once again, not a status. I'll never accept any legitimate ruler. But I'm just saying, even under the contract, as it was derived by the founders of the Constitution of the United States, the point of having limited government, just like with anything, just like in a household, if you're raising your children, is um, we have to have defined rules, but rules that everybody can understand and simple enough that we can all follow a line with and not so overly cumbersome, cumbersome or burdensome that it destroys our lives or our livelihoods to the point where we're not actually living meaningful, productive, happy lives. That's the point. That was the point, right? There's all kinds of areas that we can all kind of disagree with, whether you're pro-constitution or anti-state, all that stuff. But like I say, the point is, was the founding fathers of the U.S. 
or anyone that cares about freedom and liberty. The whole thing is the rules of engagement. The rules have to be clear, concise, minimal, so that everyone can understand them. And everybody has to be held to account accountable equally, at least so that nobody gets to escape these rules and some aren't. And at the same time, we do have, we should all have our places that we can, you know, um, remove ourselves from public discourse or public conversation and have our, our safe space. Now, usually it's our homes and usually it's areas of where, you know, there used to even be, I mean, think tanks are a big thing, but even now you can't have any place that you can turn or pivot towards because it's, it's like the inquest or, or, or the stars here, they're just constantly looking is are people, you know, having conversations that I don't have an ear to, they're, they're just constantly looking. And what it is, is they, as much as they despise their opponents at the same time, I think a lot of these people, and it does predominantly seem to be the left these days, they have a love-hate relationship with their right-wing counterparts. They they can't stand them, but they know they can't live without them, right? That's It's so insane, folks. And I made a joke kind of, and I don't mean this to be, you know, you know, negative sexually towards women or anything but to me i just used that that whole thing it sounds like that crazy insane girlfriend some of us have had them in the past right it's like she just loves to hate you she don't want nothing to do with you but she can't leave you the fuck alone either <laughs> so i don't know what do you what do you do in that situation in that circumstance right you can't talk to them you can't run away from them and i mean the only thing you have left at that point in time is you know obviously something that we don't ever want to have to deal with is just force force that person out of your life you know by using force, right? And, and that's the thing. But the beauty of freedom of association and having government limited in scope, it means that we don't have to worry about what, like when you have minimal government and it, it, the only intervention that has in society is when actual genuine crimes take place, most of us go through life and you could live most of your life and you, you really, is there even such thing as a government? I don't know. But in the modern world we live in today, it's in your face no matter what you do in every aspect of your life. And because there's the, that big giant club, some people are, are actively seeking to use that to club it over the heads of their opponent. And that is the problem because the minute someone recognizes, oh, there's a club that I can use to beat my opponent over the head, well, once again, that's what you're seeing today where now the opponents that you've beaten them over the head, now they're going to grab a hold of that club and they're going to do the same thing and retaliate back against you. And then what you get, it, you see, it's an escalation of violence. It's exact representation of everything that you see that exudes statism, even the police. There's no de-escalation. There's no common sense where let's, you know, the guys out in the park, right, or skating. It's all about escalating and creating more tension and division. And once again, I just don't see how playing these kind of zero-sum games, even for the people who have all the power these days, mostly those who, the institutional power, I should say, I don't even see how it works out beneficial to them. Because like I've said in the past, and we all have heard about, Yes, they will come after the low-hanging fruit. You know, the far-right guys, you know, the the Boogaloos or the, you know, the Proud Boys, or I, don't, I wouldn't even suggest the Proud Boys are far-right, but whatever the people that are lab labeling as far-right now, the low-hanging fruit, sure, it'll be easy to come after them, but the kind of people, right, think about what these people represent. Are you, are you, do you really feel safe around these people because they're willing to attack anyone that has the slightest disagreement with them? Are you really so sure that you're going to agree with them for the rest of your life on everything and all points? Because if you don't, then that just means that you're just further down the line in terms of when they come for you. Yeah, that's very true. And the more the more we've allowed the state to dictate society, the more the division between people, because each faction is trying to use the government 
defensively, but also to push their way of life on each other. So democracy was meant to be this thing that creates um, coherence because everyone gets a vote and every voice is counted. And this is, you know, a silly idea. <laughs> you know, you're not allowed to say it's a silly idea <clears throat> because democracy is a religion. But the thing is, I don't want um, my neighbor's decision to count as much as my surgeon's decision when it comes to medical matters. And I don't want, um, you know, my, I don't want some lay person to fix my plumbing or my electrics. I want an expert. And mm. what you're doing with democracy is you're giving people who don't have a clue what they're talking about the same say as people who do know what they're talking about. Yeah. Not only that, um, you're you're giving like we have this expression in uh, uh, that we know in the corporate sector when someone has a conflict of interest when they oh you can't be a member of that board because you stand to gain from that business mm -hmm. or you can't donate to that cause right. because that you can't take a um a contract from that cause because you've donated to it. What about the conflict of interest of people voting on things where they can get a profit from extracting the income of other people? Um, that's a conflict of interest. So, you know, if they're really serious about this conflict of interest things, anyone who works from the government, whether you're a public sector worker or you're a politician, or if your income comes from the government, um, then technically you shouldn't get a vote because it's a conflict of interest. You're just going to vote yourself more money you know that that's what they say about the corporate sector why don't they why don't they um apply it equally to government so these are some of the incentives which i'm talking about which kind of turned me away from thinking it's just a bunch of conspiracy yeah. um you know a, a bunch of people in a dark room because these incentives are very real and they have a very real influence on the course of elections because and people are voting their ideology and voting their interests. They don't understand economics. They don't understand political philosophy, but they, mm -hmm. they do understand standing to gain from something. And uh, and they're, they're, they're not going to, they're not likely to vote for a party that they don't think serves their own interests. Yeah. Well, that to me, that's really what it comes down to in the day. And, and I've, I've hammered away at that, that, uh, um, aspect of it too is it's it's incentive and I once again what I will what I want to do and that's I'm glad you brought it right back around to that because I really want to stick focused on the whole conspiracy theory thing and the cabal because like I say I I personally I I just I, my right now my heart is going to and I've I've felt this too even for some of the people on the left who feel disenfranchised with the system and some of the insanity they've put themselves through and the craziness and I, what it, I just, I'm a, I'm a compassionate kind of, I, I have empathy for these people because I understand. I just want to point out to those of those, of those people who are, let's say, Trump supporters today and, and don't know where to turn, don't know how to think about all this stuff, right? And you're feeling let down. And you even know yourself because you, you know, maybe you've taken that time, you put a little work in. I'm not even going to deny, and I'll give Anthony, let Anthony, or Anthony speak for himself here, but I'm not even going to deny that there aren't people on this planet you know, in really high positions of power and influence yeah, of right? or status who want things to unfold in a particular manner. That, that I, I would never dispute that. And the, and anyone that, that, that does say, well, but these conspiracy theories, they're, they're actually facts. Listen, I'll, I'll admit they're the Gulf of Tonkin. There's lots of times and examples throughout history where conspiracy yeah, theories. That's not to say that 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The question is, yeah. is there a glass? What, what I make a distinction between conspiracy with a small c, there's right. real conspiracies, and what I call the grand global conspiracy, oh. which is the idea that all of these conspiracies are orchestrated by yeah. the same people. Um, and you know what? That could be true. I'm just saying the yeah. economic incentives are enough to explain the world, actually. Yeah. It, it's, it's not true. necessary for there to be a global conspiracy. And even if there is a global conspiracy, who is keeping that global conspiracy in place? Mm -hmm. it's, um, it's people with bad ideas who stand yeah. to gain from voting, who stand to gain from using the force of the state to shove their way of life through your down your throat by using the ballot paper. Mm. Yeah, actually, before I continue on there, Anthony, I just wanted to mention, too, because I had a couple of fine folks that have donated. I just wanted to see what they had in there. Fraser McBurnie, $10. Live streaming is the way to go. We are living draconian times. If you live in Hamilton, consider joining us at our Hugs Over Mask Freedom Rally, 12 noon in front of City Hall. Refreshments provided. Well, thank you, Fraser McBurney, for uh, announcing that. And I'll definitely uh, leave that up there for, uh, for a little bit there for people to take notice of because yeah, I'm definitely in massive appreciation and I definitely support those of you who are out there. Cause as you're seeing time and time again, the people out there fighting for freedom, you're getting targeted, right? And, and they're, they're coming after you hardcore in this country. They're, they're sending out, you know, giving people thousand plus dollar, multiple thousand dollar fines for doing nothing more than standing in defiance against these draconian measures. And, and like I say, it's, it, I know it's difficult and I know you folks are going through hard times, but keep up the fight, be wise, be prudent, you know, make sure you, you make, make sure you're here for the long run, right? Don't be martyrs. Don't do anything stupid. Make sure, but yeah, definitely at least show that you are at least some kind of a force for good. Cause the people that are sitting on the sidelines, they definitely need to see that. And, uh, and I, like I say, thanks Frazier for bringing that up. And then one last one here real quick there, Mr. G rich, $10. I may not agree with what a person has to say, but I, but I will fight to the death for the right to say, and I, I'm right with you there, uh, G. Rich. That's, and I'm sure Anthony is as well. Is yes, yeah, so I might not agree. As a matter of fact, I don't mind having disagreements. As a matter of fact, I, I some of the great, most engaging conversations I had were with people had, that I had a disagreement with. But the the what turned the conversation into something fruitful and productive is was at least the knowledge that the person on the other side of that conversation conversation, even if they had different opinions or perspective than mine. Were they at least honest enough, right, with themselves and with me to at least sit down and engage in dialogue and 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 be willing to at least absorb something I've got to say rather than just giving me, you know, placate me and let me uh, spew yeah. a bunch of stuff out of my mouth and saying, okay, well, I'm not going to lie with it because, you know, my feels or or my ideology, right? It's like, can, can you right. at least allow people to challenge you once in a while? That's a really important thing because, like I said, Or, you know, just get angry at you, call you names, hmm. ascribe negative motives to you. It's like yeah. if someone's actually willing to be receptive, listen to what you have to say, and consider your arguments, then you can have a fruitful conversation. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, when we're talking about the conspiracy theory, too, with all this is, and like I say, this is really, really good stuff and really important. And I hope some of the people that'll end up watching this will take some, some good information from this is once again, back to even what I was saying earlier on. I mean, I, I get it folks. I get it. It sounds, and, and even if it's a reality, like Anthony was even saying, or even it's a reality, even if there is a cabal, right? 
What good for you or I? What good for us in our own immediate family, our own immediate community, in our own little uh, you know, plot on this, this planet? What good does it do to us to keep pointing to like someone like George Soros or, or the UN? Or, but once again, when, when we have people in our own families, in our own societies, in our own communities, that whether they believe the conspiracies of the, the central planning cabals or they just believe in the, the concept of authoritarian collectivism, where it's always worried or where you always sacrifice the individual for the greater good kind of thing. Things that sounds good as a bumper sticker sounds good until you've taken a few minutes to think about it, right? A lot of these people, right? That's what that's a, most of the major issues that we're dealing with. It isn't because of a small cabal. It's because a lot of the people that were, you know, family members, friends, coworkers, neighbors, is they haven't been properly educated and informed about some of these very important concepts as it pertains to liberty. Why? Because they went through the same kind of indoctrination system that the resident had, and maybe they weren't proactive. Maybe there wasn't something that happened to them in their life. Now, I know me, there was some that happened in my life that put me on this course. Luckily for me, you know, I, I happen to be inquisitive and, and have this kind of predisposition to kind of lead me down this path, but there was no guarantee this was ever going to happen there was something that had to take place because there was a, a, a long protracted time in my early life where I was just as ignorant as most in terms of these concepts regarding to liberty or freedom or freedom of speech and all these things. But it took something to happen. And what I realized is, yes, I could have blamed a whole lot of other people in the state, the system. Well, I mean, there's lots of blame to go around. But at the same time, I have to own up that, you know, I, I failed. I faltered in my life. I got to step up. I got to do better. You know, and and I want and because I recognize that I also want to try to be someone that leads by example because I've also acknowledged in my life whether it was when I was raising my children or other people that I've had influence on is I never once I never had to sit down and have an argument or a debate or discussion uh, I just kind of rubbed off on them by sheer fact that they seen it was a, it was a winning formula for the most part right trying to treat people with respect not going out trying to cause harm steal from other people it's a usually a fairly winning combination. For most people in life, it's not a guaranteed, you know, there's no guarantees in life. But what one thing, like I say, I have acknowledged is it's all the people in our lives that, that are the ones that are thinking about these issues. And they're the ones that are going to choose to either keep, like in Canada, Trudeau in power or who want to keep these universalized healthcare systems that, as we've seen, are, are massive failures. This is the thing that bothers me the most, too. The people that keep doubling down on defending these structures. These that are created by the wrong kind of incentives by government by force is I I understand your compassion I understand your 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 concern for your fellow man but if that really means something to you then don't you think that there's possible that things could get better maybe maybe rather than arguing with me all day long about how I just don't know what I'm talking about maybe some of these people in some of these positions of power or influence or authority aren't doing the right things and actually are causing a lot of harm to a lot of people unnecessarily and needlessly. Have you ever considered that concept? Because that's the thing that I worry about people is it's so easy to look at each other and, and, and point our fingers at each other rather than acknowledge the fact that, you know, the structures, like Anthony was saying, everything has been incentivized that it's, it's causing people to make the wrong decisions. So, I mean, sure, we can point to others but can we not first start getting back to the, the fundamentals and say the structure as it's currently set up now, it's set up to incentivize bad actors to win 
and good people to lose. And the minute you have any kind of societal or any kind of structure that's set up under that kind of uh, manner, then obviously, right, human, just by natural incentive, most people don't want to lose. And if the only way they can win is by, you know, selling out or, or turning to the dark side, people are going to do it. And it doesn't necessarily that they're, mean they're evil. It's just that they don't want to be losers, right? Most people don't want to be losers at the end of the day. They want to at least be someone that they feel that they succeeded in some way. That's that's kind of what keeps us going and ambitious and creative and entrepreneurial. But what we're seeing is the incentive structure, like Anthony alluded to, is set up to give the wrong people the win, right? Against the people who are, like I say, we're the one, me and Anthony, we're the if you look out there, we're the ones that are losing in the grand scheme of things. And all we're trying to do at the end of the day. Is, is trying to bring proper articulated thought processes in terms of yeah. what it is to be a free human being. That's it. So what, yeah, what are we doing? We're, we're trying to yeah. demystify the world and demonstrate that, um, demonstrate economics, demonstrate how prosperity and wealth is created and de demonstrate how wealth and prosperity is destroyed. And the current system is so compelling because these, um, university professors, very few people can make uh, income dealing with ideas alone. Mm. An intellectual just isn't someone that's intelligent. An intellectual, at least in Thomas Sowell's definition, is someone who creates or deals with ideas. Only a few people mm. can have that job on a free yeah. market. A few university professors, some journalists, some authors, but there's lots of people who would like that job. So the system gives them all jobs and then they support the system. Yep. The private, the public sector workers wouldn't get their generous pensions and their longer holidays and things like that in the private sector. So they're not gonna exactly be supporters of the private sector because if the government shrinks in size, they get laid off and they, they have to work another job getting less pay for what they're, uh, and they'll need to learn new skills. So basically the government is bribing and blackmailing people, bribing those people with free stuff, blackmailing the people who are on welfare. Oh, you know, without the government, you'd be starving. They don't say that, but everyone knows. And, and they get to rage and say, oh, the government has made my unemployment form more complicated and they're making it hard for me to claim my benefits. Or the government's oppressing me. When they, um, you know, they don't realize actually it's a privilege to live in a country where the government will give you anything because for most of history it didn't, you know, but that's um, <clears throat> that's seen as a right, not as a privilege. So, but those people are then because the more the more people, when, when the state was small, only a few people could be dependent on the state. Now people have such a high income in, in historical terms, you can tax them 40, 50, 60% and they still feel comfortable. That would be impossible in the past. So more and more and more people are dependent on the state and every person who's dependent on the state then becomes bought off essentially to to support the system. So that's the, that's the incentive structure. That's why you don't really need the conspiracy theory to keep this in place because so many people's income depends on it and the thing is all of those people who are say working in ideas who wouldn't be on a free market or working in the public sector not only do people who are working in the private sector have to pay more tax to pay for them 
But there's a second way that that makes all society more impoverished because on a free market, they would be producing goods and services that increase people's standards of living because there is yeah. more goods and services that increases the supply. The law of supply and demand is the more stuff there is, the cheaper that stuff is. So everyone would be richer in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, well, the, once again, and this this term keeps coming up, and that's the most important thing, and I, I think we need really need to hammer home on this, it is incentive. And every one of us, I guarantee everyone even in this chat here today, you've got someone in your own personal life, in your family, someone that's close to you that can't stand you for the sheer fact that you just want to be... I, I know myself, I'll just say, hey, listen, rather than throw anyone else under the bus, let me just use myself here. I have people in my family. I, I growing up, you know, before all this stuff, and to this day, you know, I, I I would hope that these people. Well, I was under the pretense, right, that we're all family. I mean, we all are. We're, but ever since all this stuff, and I became active in in terms of learning about politics and philosophy and all these things. And the more I learned, the more I grew, the, the more knowledge I attained, and I was, you know, chomping at the bit and trying. And, and the first thing that you want to test these things out on. Are people in your immediate surrounding, right? You don't jump online, right? And start, oh, I'm just learning about this. Yeah. But, but once again, but what I realized real early, real early on is like, yeah, even people in my life, and I, I'm not saying they're all necessarily bad or inherently bad in any way, right? Because I don't remember them as that kind of people, but through the incentive structure of government, and that's the thing, there's so many occupations, I'll just speak for Canada that you have no choice but to function for government. You either work for government or you can't be employed in a particular field. And especially especially if you're in the social scientists or the, in the health field, healthcare fields, right? Or education. You're you're working for government in Canada and that's all there is to it. And that's a, that's a sad, sorry state of affair because I would like to think if we had such thing as private market competition in those fields, I would like to think that maybe the people in my family, because I will recognize and acknowledge that, you know, especially my aunts are doctors and nurses and 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 such and teachers really and i know them to be really intelligent um or at least competent in their fields so in a private market setting i'm a uh, matter of fact i i I'd probably expect that they would be compensated even more so oh yeah for what, the, for what they bring to the table this is the a problem. really good this is a really Sorry, good go point uh, this is a really good point actually because i was just in staying in america for six weeks and i asked one of my friends uh oh what so, something about someone's I, I can't remember what what the context was but she says oh she'll do well because she's a nurse right what what she meant was that woman is a nurse so she's got a high income no one would ever say that in scotland because we've got <laughs> socialized healthcare. nurses right. don't earn a lot of money but mm. i was surprised to hear that because apparently in america being a nurse you earn a lot of money now, I'm not going to defend America's healthcare system because we know it's a crony capitalist system. Yeah, yeah. But the point still stands. Nurses are broke-ass poor in Scotland, mm. but they're not in America. Right. So that, that's quite an interesting thing that I never knew. I never knew. So that, that's just that's just one example. Yeah. Well, I'm sure, though, you could also. That's the thing about the market. This is the part that I'll even do the flip side of how a market works. Why? Because I'm never about misinterpreting or misrepresenting my views. I just want to lay things out as honest and clear and concise as I can. So and under a free market scenario or setting, there are lots of people, right? For every example of people that you just brought up or people like I just brought up my own family, 
who would be compensated at a higher rate in a private market setting. There's also the flip side where there may be some who would even be paid much less because they're incompetent as hell, right? But you know, that's that's probably a good thing because that's once again, now that's the proper kind of incentive. Yeah, maybe they'll learn right? some new skills. Maybe they'll learn some new skills and they won't be incompetent, and then they'll have more self-esteem because they know that they're providing more value. Exactly, because that's the same thing with me. I even under any mandatory minimum setting or or anywhere where everybody's paid the same, um, you know, in, in these environments, and you know, even people that are paid the same in, in environments and it's not at a minimum wage, but if the if the company just wants to pay everyone the same amount, but you see this person's working harder, this person's like finding ways to like I got a smoke break every five minutes. Once again, at the end of the day, and we're we're back at we're back to the same place we always end up in, right? Incentive, incentive, incentive. And once again, we have to acknowledge the incentive structure is completely upside down and backwards in terms of if you want to properly reward people who are either competent, hardworking, you know, ethical, moral in their that's the thing. And that's the thing when it comes when it comes down to today with the ethical and the moral implication. And this is one thing with me and my economic brain, just like Anthony, I've tried. It's like, how the hell can we monetize? If we can figure out how to monetize, you know, morality, <laughs> then we we've got we've got we've got the corner of the market here soon. But I, I at this point in time, like I say, it's it's so far. It's escaped us, but it's 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 a. It's something that we're all working towards, though, because I mean, once again, to properly incentivize people to do the right thing, then then there has to is it doesn't necessarily always have to come with economic incentives. It could be even social incentives, as far as I'm concerned. But at the end of time, at the end of the day, when people talk about economics, and I'll just point this out, and then I'll I'll tie tie this back to Anthony, economics isn't solely, you know, people look at when they say economics, oh, this guy just cares about money or greed. Let me tell you, money in its proper state. Is just a representation of a value, right? Of a value of your labor, of your productivity, of what you produce and provide in society. So anyone that tries to undermine or undercut economics and, or try to pretend that your social life isn't tied intrinsically to economics, well, then once again, you just don't understand the concept of value. Just because we translate some values into things that we call currencies, right? Or money properly would be money, although nowadays it's mostly currencies, but that that is a value. It's a value. And once we're just like today in the economic realm and the social realm, in the social realm, the values are all placed in the wrong areas. The values we're seeing today is yeah, if you can if you rat out your neighbor, right? If you cause lots of pain and harm to lots of people, you will be incentivized, you'll be praised and applauded. If you just want to speak reason, reasonably and sensible talk logically to other people and, and find a way to, to find some semblance of agreement where we could be peacefully cohabitating. Oh, no, no, because you're just privileged, Bennett. That's the only yeah, reason that's why you're saying. Yeah. That, that, yeah. That's what they say. Oh, that, I got that recently on Facebook. Oh, my views I, are just... I, I was actually thinking about... Yeah, I was actually thinking about all that privilege I had for the last couple of months uh, of 2020 there before I, I got laid off from my uh, 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 construction job in asphalt while I was out there working around that 300 degree asphalt all day, shoveling, <laughs> fucking running the rollers and all. Yeah, I, was uh, thinking about, I was thinking about all that privilege that I had. Because yeah, I'm clearly a captain of industry, you know. I'm, I'm on the, if, if only I was on the payroll of the Koch brothers. Mm -hmm. uh, they could give me a nice salary at a think tank. That would be yeah. great. Um, but yeah, so the thing is, 
it's uh, it's been popular to psychologize conspiracy theories and say, you know, these articles come out saying the inside the weird world of conspiracy theories and stuff like that. But you know, it's it's one thing to say that someone's like explaining someone's motives for believing what they believe doesn't say whether it's true or not. So, no. um, you know, those are those kinds of articles are a little bit patronizing, and I need to look out for it in my own behavior because. One thing I've noticed is on Facebook or anywhere, whenever you when you you should watch out for this. Whenever you provide someone with information that they don't like, they don't want to hear, the first thing they do. Have you noticed what it is? What what's the first thing they always do to dismiss information they don't want to hear? Oh, you call you call you uh Try to demean you in some way. Usually, that, that, might, that might be a bit later. Okay. You usually, usually the first thing they do is they just question the source. So if right, you, right. So right. if if it's a, a news clip of an expert on RT, they'll say, "Well, Russia Today are just a mouthpiece for Vladimir Putin," or right. if you, whatever it is, they won't even address the argument. Mm -hmm. So I've been watching. And myself, how tempting it is to just question the source instead of deal with the argument. For example, the other day, by the way, people should add me on Facebook because I, I post a lot of good status updates. I'm yes, not rubbing my own. Excellent. I'm no, not I, blowing my own. I'm not blowing my own trumpet. I'm just yeah. saying I only post something if I think, wow, this is a cool. This is cool. Like so, I recommend people follow me on Facebook because my content's sure, good. Um, I posted something. I posted something about carbon offsetting. Like, um, a lot of environmentalists just don't like the idea of carbon offsetting because they want to. They want basically they want us to return to a primitive society. And uh, someone, um, but someone did a study and showed that if you believe that global warming's man-made, and if you want to make an impact. If you choose the right carbon offsetting company for $110, you would have more impact on reducing your carbon emissions than if you went and lived in the woods and did fossil fuels at all. So someone didn't like this and they posted uh they, they posted a link to an article for Greenpeace. And my first instinct was to go, well, you know, Greenpeace or blah, 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 blah. But, you know, you, you, you need to watch out for this because that doesn't debunk the arguments. So you actually need to look at their article and look at the claims they're making and explain whether it's true or not. So something calling something a conspiracy theory is sometimes used to dismiss something without actually demonstrating that it's not true. Of course, there are real conspiracies. We know that. You know, like yeah. you mentioned, Gulf of Tonkin. There was Operation mm -hmm. Gladio. There, yep. uh, uh, all sorts of stuff. But um, hey, yellow cake. Just, these are the kinds of things. Yellow yeah, cake. These are the kind of things that. Right. Sorry, these are Sorry. the kind of things that I've been thinking about recently, like stuff like how people dismiss the source instead of. Um, instead of actually dealing with the arguments and can yeah. i s reduce that behavior in myself because it is the first instinct the first instinct but i mean even Mel michael Shermer 
the editor of Skeptic magazine who's like who debunks conspiracy theories all the time. He admitted in an interview that one of the reasons why people believe in conspiracy theories is because some of them are true. And I think mm -hmm. that's a huge step because you would not have found someone from the Skeptic Society admitting that some conspiracies are true in 1990. Yeah. You know, that's true. That they've made a concession. Do you know what I mean? And one of the yeah. reasons why they've made a concession is because we've got the internet, so that people have better access to information. They never would have. They never would have said, "Oh well, you know, some of the reasons why people believe in conspiracies is because some of them are true." I remember, I remember the the documentaries they made, like dealing with David Icke in the early two thousands. You know, do you know what I mean? They've come along yeah. a long way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just I just uh, want to mention there, Anthony, I brought up your uh, Facebook page just so the, the, the folks that do choose to follow you after watching this stream so that you'll see that you get the right. Because I know I've even seen myself. You can type in someone's name and there's all these other fake pages or someone that has the same name as you. So just so you know, folks, this is this is Anthony's actual Anthony's actual Facebook page. So if you definitely want to follow one of there and I 100 percent recommend it because I, I would have touted or tooted his own horn for him if he had asked me anyways, because I will say there's there's a very good reason why me and Anthony are friends, and we've been friends for, for many years, and since we talked to each other, like, first time many years ago, is because he's very wise, very articulate, and you can tell he's someone that, that shares that same kind of compassion. And and he's like, I, I guess in a way, kind of, I guess maybe I'm uh, seeing a little bit of mirror of myself. Is, that's me. I, me too. I sit there and I'll think about these things. And when I get an inspired moment and something that uh, that sounds like it's worth putting down, that's what that's what I do as well. And then and and like I say, that just that one post alone that you put on there, and I pay attention to your, the re a lot of your other posts, not all of them, mind you, because I I also spend a lot of time, you know, paying attention to a whole lot of other people. And there's only twenty four hours and lots a day, but it is posts like that. And people say always say to me all the time, well, but what can one man do? Well, one man, whether it's Anthony, me, or, or anyone else, can write even just one small post, just like this one that he did for this particular uh, post on his Facebook page that would resonate, not just with someone like myself who, who sees out there that people who are... This is another thing why I like doing what I do is because you know there's probably a lot of people out there who feel the same way that Anthony and I do, and maybe they don't have anyone in their actual own personal lives that they can turn to to talk about or hear people discussing these kind of things, right? And that's why I do what I do. So that at the very least, not only can I help educate and inform and light people in terms of some of these other concepts in terms of liberty, but so that, that they can listen and, and at least feel that there are other people in this world that, that share the same concerns and who are willing to talk about these things you know, without being restricted or, or uncovered. So I, like I say, I'm reaching out to the people out there don't care if you're on the left or the right, to be honest with you. I, I I have no disdain at this point in time. I've spent long enough time playing these fights, these bickering, this back and forth. Ten years I've had to, at this point in time in my life, now it's about, I don't want to do any fighting. I want to do as much as I can to reach out to as many people as humanly possible so that we can find some, because every time I've ever done so, that's one thing I will say right here. Every time I've ever reached out to someone, even someone that they thought that they hated me and disagreed with me vehemently, the minute we've engaged in genuine conversation and they got to know who I really am, not a meme, right? Not a misrepresentation of who I am, but at least get some semblance or some idea of who I am by actually engaging in conversation. It's usually worked out where we walk away amicably, amicably 
and we respect each other as a consequence of having that conversation. And you know what? That is what needs to take place. Don't be so quick to shut off or silence someone that you might not agree with. Take just one small time frame out of your day, even if it's only for a half hour. Just say, you know what? Today, that person in my life that I, I've constantly disrespected and never gave them a time of day, I'm going to take that time today. Just give them a half hour. I'm just going to bend my ear for a half hour and just let them go. Right? You have no idea how much that, how much positivity that that could possibly bring to that, not just that individual, but how that'll replicate and duplicate itself in a multitude of ways, maybe through for maybe thousands of people, just based on that one act alone. Sorry, I don't want to run ball there. <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah, I think the thing is, people don't realize that if you really want to, people don't care what you know until you know they know what you care. They know that you care. So I've been trying to edit my Facebook engagement a little bit <clears throat> and be a little bit less hostile when people disagree with me and just say, and, you know, put, don't just explain myself at length and say my opinions because that's so much work uh, apart from anything else. Why am I putting my possession myself in the position of having to justify myself to them? Why don't I ask them questions and say, well, why do you believe that? Or say, what evidence would be necessary to change your opinion on that? Or I'll say, or if someone says, uh, oh, I, I think um, you've got it completely wrong here because X, Y, Z, you could you say, um, well, can you explain that a little bit more or something like that? Make them do the talking first. Yeah. Get their views, get them to get their views out. Because if if you're clear on what their point is, you can answer directly to the point. You don't need to answer everything they say, but if you but you can just answer the most important thing that they've said if you ask them to speak more. And by asking them to speak more, by letting them speak first they'll become more open to your response because they've invested in the conversation and asking yeah. for your view. They're not asking for your input instead of just declaring their views. Yeah. Well, that's one thing I, and you know, what? I've even said this to myself in the past, but I, I seem to have this go-to methodology that I use and it's something I, I guess I've got to continue to work on, but I agree actually. I, and I've seen when it's played out and, are, and, and done in, in a proper manner, um, I can't think of the guy's name right now. It escapes me for some reason. Jan, I think. Jan something. He's an American guy, and he's constantly always using the Socratic method whenever he engages in any uh, you know, dialogue or or, or uh, has interviews with people you know that are engaged in in politics, right? And the Socratic method, basically, what like what you're alluding to, it is much better than I think. Even myself, I'll find I'll find I'm I'm going to offer you all this information. I know, and I've done all this, but. Maybe, maybe rather than concentrating and focusing on me and how much knowledge I've built up myself, maybe, like you say, maybe the best approach is to start with well, what are your thoughts? Like, yeah, like maybe, yeah, and poking and prodding and getting them to better articulate their their thoughts and maybe get, at least throwing something else at them to make them so that they feel that they're the ones that are questioning themselves rather than, because that is something I think I, I automatically, I think I instinctively understand is if you come about, about people or approach them where you're trying to tell them or finger wag or, or like, I know best, I know how that can be counterproductive yeah. at times. And, and, yeah, and that's the they're, thing. They're, they're, actually, they're actually enjoying power over you. 
because you're trying hard to change their opinion. Right. And they have the choice to change their opinion or not. So they're wielding power over you. And you're and you're being very submissive by spending all your time and energy typing to them until you're blue in the face. It's true. So don't work so hard. Let them do the work. (laughs) <laughs> that's true you know that's once again see it's a smart guy right here because that certainly resonated with me because that that does sound like me basically in a nutshell but uh but i i get what you're saying there anthony and like i say i'm i'm so grateful today that you guys agreed to have this conversation and like i say i i really appreciate having all these great fine folks in the chat as well we got some good people in here and uh and i know that they're going to help share and spread the this kind of uh, information with others as well uh, now I do. I want want to mention before I let you go, Anthony. Like I say, really appreciate you coming on here today. I know you're busy. I know you even had uh, had uh, other interviews prior to this one, and you're probably a busy man already. But I did want to mention the folks. And you know, this is something maybe I'm I might want to consider because there's another guy that uh, that uh, I'm friends with in Nova Scotia here. Um, he's joined with the the Mises uh, Institute as well. And maybe that's something we'll talk about uh, after the fact or maybe at another point in time in the future is because uh, I see that you are now you're an economic journalist. So you're a contributor, I think a fairly regular contributor to the, the Mises Institute. And the Mises Institute is just one of the one of the great institutions, the libertarian think tanks and institution down in the U.S. And that's one thing I am so grateful for that, you know, here in Canada, not much, not much on offer, folks. But it, down just down to our neighbors in the south, there are a tremendous amount of uh, not just thanks think tanks but institutions or not just out there to promote and advocate for liberty but you can even uh, find maybe some way to be financially viable economically prosperous and, and contributing to society not just you know through through politics or the power of persuasion but once again benefit and rewarding yourself as well now that is one thing that i acknowledge is really important because we have to support each other right if we're that's the thing. Our opponents, the ones that are the status, you know, if you have the power of the purse of the state where basically you just constantly print money, oh, it's easy to keep propping up. Well, you know, until at some point in time when that house of cards finally collapse, I guess. But for those of us right here who are battling the, the Goliath, right? It's like, we're pretty good, right? I, I can function fairly well with one hand, one foot behind my back, but imagine how much better or efficient or proficient I would be if I actually had full use of all of my extremities right so that's that's the thing we really need to help support each other and i'm definitely one of those people that i'm getting to the point now i don't have a lot of money i still don't but i'm at least in a little bit better position now than i was maybe a few years ago where i'm actually even starting to support some social media platforms that are actually you got to pay to play Uh, i'm actually uh you know actually uh, subscribing to uh, people that i that i respect small donations and i'm even going to get the point where i'm going to start handing out money to some of these other, uh, you know, think tanks or institutions who are out there. Because that's the thing, folks, right? As much as all these uh, messages that we put out and present, they're really important. Once again, we can't all expect the people who are promoters of or advocates of liberty to just constantly, I mean, most of us, I think, are fairly instinctually, not just benevolent, but we also recognize it's a benefit to ourselves. So it's not just pure, I'll even acknowledge, I don't just do what I do for other people. I recognize that it's a benefit to me as well. But once again, for us to be able to counter or challenge the status quo or the ruling establishment, I mean, it's great that we can function in our little echo chambers now and talk to people who are actually at least curious or inquisitive to the kind of things we say. But if we're going to expand and have any kind of reach where we can truly be a force or an opposition to the authoritarian collectivists among us and the media mouthpiece who constantly parrot that kind of narrative, we really need, you know, some 
some not just social, but some economic support. So anytime you can, and I'm going to carry this, like I say, I'm not just speaking out one side of my mouth for you. I'm going to make sure that I do that for myself is let's help support each other as much as we can, because that's really what we need in the day. We have to, now we can all be decentralized. We're all going to remain autonomous and doing our own thing. That's what it is to be freedom loving individuals. But we can, at the very least, show some solidarity with a little bit of support for each other. That little bit of support could go a long way. Yes, yes. I mean, a lot of people um, ask me or tell me, in the future, I just want to get in the fight. You know, I want to be part, part of trying to push the world in a more libertarian direction. And I'm like, that creating content is not the only way to do that. There, I say this as a content creator, but it's much easier to create content. It was much easier to create content five years ago and even more 10 years ago in this space. Right. There are so many content creators. And when I first started podcasting, not everything had been covered, you know. There weren't that many articles on how De Denmark isn't real socialism. Mm -hmm. Now, if you type that into Google, you won't get one article on it. You'll get hundreds. So a lot of the niches are being filled. A really great way to support the liberty movement is find a content creator that you think mm -hmm. is underrated. Yeah. And give them a donation. Because it's not just that if you shoot 60 bucks or 100 bucks their way, that's um, going to put some meals on their table. It will. But the other thing is it makes them feel like there's a point in what they're doing. So, so you know, go out and find, the, find a podcast, whatever podcast you listen to that not many people listen to you know there's some big hitters out there and they, they they get lots of donations and they deserve them they're doing a great job but there's some people whether it's someone who writes articles on mises.org or it's someone who has a very small podcast but you think their content is excellent whoever it is find out how you can support them and you know a little bit of money goes a long way in terms of psychologically in terms of making people feel like, wow, there really is a point to what I'm doing. I'm not just pissing in the wind here. Yeah. And like I say, I'm going to, not only am I, uh, am I a complete agreement with you there, I'm definitely an advocate of supporting the people, but I'm actually going to, even the the two don't, the two ten dollars donations that I got even today, Anthony, I am, uh, because I'm so appreciative of the fact that you took the time out of your day today, and I'll even throw a little bit of my own personal cash in there, but I'm going to make a donation to you. So if, if you want, actually, and give me some way, some area, I don't know if you can do the e-transfer things with you guys over there in the UK or whatever, but whatever, like I say, and if you want to even mention here, if anyone else wants to donate um, to help uh, you over in, in your cause or even for me, um, help put that out there. Because like I say, I definitely think that it's very important that we really do step up our efforts in supporting each other because it's it's really important and vitally vitally necessary that we do so because like i say our opponents they're they're not they're not undercut in any way <laughs> they're they're laughing all the way to the bank they're not seeing their lives destroyed even the people under these lockdowns that are proponents of big government today that's another one the great divide we won't get into this in this conversation today i'll deal with that for another topic but there's a huge glaring divide and i can't imagine that this isn't playing out in real life through a lot of households and a lot of families today. It's like, well, geez, look, all these people that function in 
government positions or in the media, like they're all like nothing has changed, right? Whereas if you're someone that's, you know, working in a job that they've somehow some other human being on the planet has deemed, deemed you're non-essential, right? Your income, your livelihood, your job, your career, no matter what it is, they've deemed you non-essential and they've basically destroyed your ability. Or let's say you're a business owner, right? And you're not essential. I mean, the I can't even imagine because I know myself when I built my little small engine business, how much work I put in it. But I can't imagine what have been someone that maybe had like a, a business, struggled, worked hard. They got through the financial crisis of 2008. It's like, whoo, dodge that bullet, baby. Right? It's like made through, maybe got another lo couple loans. They got through all that bullshit. They got through 2012. They got through 2016. And all of a sudden now they're, they're everything they've worked and they put so much effort. They've taken out all these loans and to see that all taken from them, just like yeah, that. No. People that's have lost their business. As, that's got to be rough as hell, man. I can't even imagine what that would be like to experience, to be honest with you. Terrible. And no wonder suicide rates are so high and there's so much mental anguish. And I, like I say, my heart bleeds for these people. But uh, like I say, there's going to be a point in time. I mean, let's let's share the compassion. But once again, at the other side, it's, that's not a compassion alone isn't going to work, folks. I wish it could. I wish I could just feel my way to freedom. I just can't. We need proper incentives and the economic incentives and the social incentive. Once again, it's not just supporting us financially, but also supporting us, you know, by sharing our content. Just give us, like I say, give us the incentive to keep fighting the fight. Cause I, I can't speak for Anthony, right? Anthony, but I'll speak for myself. And I've been doing this for 10 years now and I'm still a fighter. I'm still going to keep up the fight, but I got to tell you, you know, I feel much more ambitious. I got much more energy and much more zeal when I realized that I at least got a nice little uh, semblance of support behind me that's backing me and, 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 and is, uh, at least in that yeah, fight. It means a lot. It, it really does. Yeah. It really does. Well, it's a great honor to have been invited to rejoin you on the show a second time. Uh, I will appreciate your contribution and it will go further than normal because out in Mexico, um, there's uh, money goes further. Uh, I like the food here, actually. I didn't. I didn't at first. I confess, but I've come around to it. But um, yeah, also because I'm traveling and things like that, I can't work as much as I was before, and I've I've got other things that have gone going on. So because of that, uh, contributions are always welcome. Right Thank on. you for having me. I I feel like I I I'm privileged and I'm doubly privileged. Well. Thank you very much because I feel the same way to have you on this podcast. And anytime you ever want to reach out to me, Anthony, and, and discuss anything that you that's on your mind, you just feel free and comfortable and I'll set aside anytime you need and we'll have another discussion at some point in the future. And I look forward to our friendship for many, many years long off. And you keep yourself safe out there, my friend. And like I say, I'll definitely make sure to, uh, and yeah, after this, send in a Facebook message. Just give me somewhere, some way that I can get that money to you. And I'll definitely do what I can do, at least contribute. And like I say, I really appreciate you coming on this. I appreciate that write-up you did. And I'm sure there's a few people who end up watching this stream that will really resonate with the messaging you sent in there. And hopefully it'll help them as well. So thanks once again, Anthony. And thanks all you great folks who joined us in this stream. And I want all you folks out there to take the time today. Remember that liberty is not just for today. It's not just for tomorrow, but it's it's what it is. To, to live, a, live as a free human being means we have to be just as relentless as our opponents. You know, they're willing to tear it down. We have to be just as relentless in our willingness to build it back up. Nice. And I'm not, I 
apartment to build it back better. I'm talking about liberty, folks. So anyways, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Anthony. Have yourself a good one, my friend. And you we'll too. see you all in the next stream. Canadian Libertarian. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Bye-bye. I love liberty.